So I guess first I'll just say hi, I'm Kayla, and we have a guest co-host today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Makayla. <laughs> and we know each other from college, from Hi-Fi specifically. Sisters <laughs> for life. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just figured since we're all just like quarantined and not knowing what to do with ourselves that, you know, when, when we can't record together, we may as well reach out to our, our friends. So, yeah. So happy to be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this one is, I couldn't, it's not the longest story because it was harder than I thought it would be to find information, but so, okay. My job that I work at right now is well awesome and we have these like bi-weekly <laughs> virtual trivia uh like company trivia during quarantine and the winners get postmates gift cards oh hell yeah yeah it's a lot of fun and um I was playing this past Thursday we lost unfortunately we were tied for first but the question was about basketball and you know <laughs> <laughs> I do know. And it was funny because, like, the t- the teams, like, are shuffled around a little bit because I'm working in a different area than I used to because of quarantine. And so, like, the team I was on, like, we were all, like, pop culture nerds, but, like, none of us really know sports. <laughs> but one of the cool things, aside from just, like, I, you know, trivia being fun, I learned a very fun true crime fact that I had never heard before. And as I get into it, I feel like you'll see why Ooh. it's so surprising that I haven't heard this before because it it has to do with a lot of stories and pop culture things that I really do like and okay. know about. Okay, so now I am going to share this with you. Side note, this also reminds me when you and I decided it would be a smart idea to go to 90s trivia because we're like, yeah, we'll be so good at that. <laughs> we loved the 90s and then forgot that we were like four years old, so we didn't know any of yeah, nothing. Yeah, it was... Oh. It's funny. I and like I know that a lot of people who are Office fans like don't like the later seasons, which I totally understand because Steve Carell is everything. But there's an episode called Trivia in one of the seasons yes. when Andy is a manager, and I firmly believe it is one of the best episodes. Not it's not it doesn't beat like Dinner Party or anything, but it's a really solid episode on its own. <laughs> Andy has been trying to meet these sales. I mean, I think I know a lot of our listeners do like the office, but just in case you don't. So the manager has been, he has all these new sales goals and he was struggling to meet them. And instead of just voicing that to his office so they could all work together for a solution, he just is buying his own paper. Yeah. And then he tries to get the office to buy the paper that they sell. Like, no, <laughs> I'm not spending what money I make on your paper. So then he hears that Oscar is going to trivia. And so he just like jumps onto his plan because there's a thousand dollar prize. So the whole office just leaves in the middle of the day and they end up at a gay bar, which they're all shocked at because no one even thought to look into (laughs) what the trivia was. And then when they get there, they all split and they're like, we know each other. Let's just all, Ooh, I just hit the mic. Let's just all split how we think. And so, like, you have the, like, the, the you know, serious team, which is, like, Daryl, 
uh, Ryan, Jim, yeah. Andy, like it's, it's a cr- good crew. Like Andy has this great moment. I don't remember the exact quote, but he's like, you know, you're NBC, you're ESPN, I'm Bravo and at VH1. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, you're ESPN, you're ESPN classics. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, yes. And then there's the group that's like, wait, who is the, who's the middle? Oh, the middle group, I think is like Phyllis and, you know, um, who it is. Cause I can remember the like C group, but the B group yeah. is it like, yeah, I can't remember the B group, but the B group is really it like Phyllis Stanley. Maybe, no, cause Aaron's in the other group. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. You know what? I don't have, we don't, whatever. Sorry. But the, the B group is whatever. But the C group is the just for fun group. And like, it's, there's this funny moment because Jim, of course, tries to go to the B group because he's always like, oh no. And it's like, bitch, you're in the A group and you know it. Like Stanley looks at him and he's like, you know where you belong. Yeah, <laughs> you belong here. On the sad side, Kevin tries to go with the A group and they're just like, uh so the just for fun group I know is Kevin, Meredith, Aaron, Aaron. I think Stanley, and uh, who am I? Wait, Kevin, Kelly, Aaron, Meredith, Stanley. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. And so they're the, the just for fun group, and it's like a big laugh and whatever. Well, they end up winning, and it yep. just is like the complete randomness of life that, like, of course Meredith knows, like, dyslexia is the the biggest, you know, issue because her kid has dyslexia. And then you have, like, Kevin knowing, like, the, the highest maximum, rate on, yeah, yeah, on a scale. On a scale. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, they're the just for funny. And that's literally how it felt last week because we just, like, last minute decided to – because the team I was usually on wasn't doing it that week. So we just kind of uh, – bunch of us just joined together and we were like no pressure like this is whatever none of us know sports none of us know geography we're just gonna have fun but then we came in first but we were tied in and then we lost the tiebreaker but I made that comment and no one knew what I was talking about and I was like no no episode but it's so funny because they they win so then they get really cocky and they're like all right we're just gonna get in get out get our money and like they are just they it's it was basically us like they go to this trivia and they're all confident and they don't know fucking anything but the in my opinion the best part of the entire episode aside from Aaron saying i don't know babe i'm just the bell girl <laughs> is when they ask who wrote the grapes of wrath and the office team says the california raisins <laughs> yeah <laughs> It kills me every time I see it. <laughs> I forgot uh, about that line. Oh, yeah. oh it's so <laughs> yeah. But I got us on a trivia tangent when you were about to tell me a fun fact that you learned. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, I love trivia. Here we go. Okay, so really, I'm just gonna go into the story and then we'll reveal the fun fact. All right. Okay, so it's 1960. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1963. And a 23-year-old writer is inside Mexico's Nuevo Leon State Prison in Monterey to interview an American triple murderer. This guy's name is Dylan Askew Simmons. Okay. And he was on death row for killing three people. Ooh. Yeah. Recently, his life had been saved by Dr. Salazar because he had been shot by a prison guard when he was trying to escape. So the young writer described the doctor as a small man with dark red hair. 
He stood very still, and there was a certain elegance about him. He invited me to sit. Then this strange man begins to ask him questions. How do you feel when you look at Simmons? Did the sunglasses Simmons wore at wear add symmetry to his disfigured face? What? Have you seen pictures of Simmons' victims? The writer said, his victims were nice looking, like they came from a nice family. And Salazar responded, you're not saying they provoked him. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the discussion continued like that until, you know, someone, because they were in a prison, someone knocked at the door and the meeting was over. The writer was so amused by the man, though, that he invited him for a drink or lunch if he were ever to visit Texas. So then later, he was asking the prison officer, well, how long has this doctor worked here? <laughs> and the warden replied, hombre, you don't know who that is? The doctor is a murderer. As a surgeon, he could package his victim in a surprisingly small box. Uh, he will never leave this place. He is insane. What? <laughs> yeah. So looking back, the writer remembered. I can't you buy super drink? <laughs> he did. He did. And he said, I cannot recall even a trace of irony in his reply when he said, thank you. Certainly I will when I next travel. <laughs> Okay, so here's where we learn more about this doctor. His uh, name was not Salazar at all. In fact, his name was Alfredo Bayi Trevino. I'm going to just call him Alfredo. I like it, <laughs> Alfredo. And that young writer happened to be author Thomas Harris, who is most famous for writing The Silence of the Lambs. Get out. Yep. Alfredo is one of the inspirations for who was voted the American Film Institute's number one movie villain in 2003, Hannibal Lecter. Uh. Yeah. Harris first introduced Lecter in his 1981 novel, Red Dragon. His most famous book in the series, The Silence of the Lambs, won Anthony Hopkins an Oscar when it was made into a movie adaptation. Oh, man. Yeah. So, like, I knew that Ed Gein was an inspiration for a lot of horror, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs, Psycho, like, all of that. And I just always had assumed, and Ed Gein, the very briefest description for someone who doesn't know, but I will definitely do an episode on him at some point, he was this very kind of twisted farm boy, basically. His mom was kind of like Ed Ed Kemper's mom. Like, she was very very um aggressive and was always disciplining she basically said like when she had two sons she, women are evil like sex is evil mm -hmm. and they just lived on this little farm homeschooling together like very very toxic all the information they were getting was from the mom but so the brother finally as he gets older wants to kind of step away from this and actually have a life and have friends and meet people and he ends up dead surprisingly it's a you know and under weird circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then after their mother dies, no one really, like things seem okay for a while. No one really hears from Ed. And then other people start to go missing. Bodies start to go missing. And when they raid his house, he has bowls made out of skulls. Ah! He has, he, <laughs> he, oh! oh, it get just wait, it gets so much worse. He has, lampshades made out of human skin he has i think maybe one of the more famous horrible things he has is a belt 
made entirely out of human nipples. Ew. Yeah. That's, oh, I mean, all of that is disgusting, but really so unnecessary. One, where do you think you're going to wear that belt? <laughs> well, he doesn't, he doesn't. <laughs> to the local feed store to wear a nipple belt. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really go anywhere. Like, it's not enough to kill someone. You have to, like, then be like, <laughs> it's not like killing an it. Like, what, you think you're going to use all the parts because you killed it? Like, what? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, is that it was the twisted like macabre nature of it because he wasn't just killing people he would also dig up dead bodies bring them back use their skin and bones to make stuff so he i would imagine is the inspiration for the buffalo bill character in silence of the lambs Mm -hmm. but i had never known that there was an actual living person who inspired hannibal which actually is really cool. Although I have always said that I think Silence of the Lambs, even though it's not technically a horror, some people don't call it that. I think it's one of the scariest movies because Hannibal's so smart. Well, I think that's like what's freaky about those things, like or psychological thrillers. It's just like because then you get into your head about it. Like they're yeah. so creepy and like can outsmart you that you're like, like you know, it's not like oh. running through the woods from like, you know, someone with a chain. Like, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, you know? it's, I feel like when you watch like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or like, I don't know, Scream or something like, no, not Scream because that's meta, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Friday the 13th, you watch those and you can be far removed. Like, even if you're scared throughout the movie, you can tell yourself like, this is just a movie. But yeah. Watch something like Silence of the Lambs, even if it's not true which, I mean, it technically isn't. It's a combination of things. But it's like it still stays with you because even though Hannibal might not be a real person, there are people like that. And that's the scary thing is like the people who are smart enough to get away with it. Like um, Ivan Malat, he recently uh, he recently died. He was in in prison for – I don't think he was on death row. I'm pretty sure he was prison for life. But he was like, he's not like super well known because he's not like, there's not like something inherently interesting about his character. But he killed a lot of like hikers and climbers and nomads and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, and he, but he was like very, he was very smart and he was very planned out in his approach. Like he would like visit like Tennessee and go somewhere random and bury a bag and the bag would have murder weapons, cash, food. And then he'd like fly home and then he wouldn't go back there for like, I don't know how many months or years. And then he'd go back so that he wouldn't be on record getting gas, getting cash, going to like, you know what I mean? Like he really, really thought it out. And so he got away with it for so long because like when someone is constantly like different States across County lines, like, and when they don't have an MO, it's hard to find them. So like those kind of people who are smart enough to know how detectives think and like how they solve murders, like they can evade it at least for longer. To get into the psyche of some, to get into someone's psyche who thinks and like is a can like has done all these things, I would find so fascinating to be like, how did they get to this where this is like what they do? Yeah. And I feel like even the guy you were just talking about, they're even scarier because it's like, there's no necessarily motive. They just like, it's almost weirdly a part of who they are that it's just like, it could, that's why it freaks you out. Cause it could literally happen to anyone. Cause I'm sure it wasn't like 
I need it to be a girl of this height or this hair color, you know. Yes. Tragic story. It's just like, I'm going to grab this random hiker. And yes. And that's, and that's why, um, like I know obviously Ted Bundy has been getting a lot of attention lately, especially because of the Zac Efron movie and everything's like, Oh, people, they, people only like him because he's hot, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you're missing the point. The reason that Ted Bundy's story was so scary is because the things he did were so vile that when you picture that you picture like, um, Jack the Ripper like yeah. you picture this like creepy monster in a dark alley and the point is this was someone that you could have been in college classes with like the people who blend in and who know how to look like a regular member of society I think are the scariest because then you really yeah. you really oh my god I keep hitting the microphone you think I never did this before <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah I don't know but so that big tangent yeah. but so the fun fact is Apparently, Hannibal is actually based on a real surgeon. He was born in Mendez, Tamaulipas. I don't know how to say that. Um, on October 2nd, 1931, he was the second of five kids, and his parents pushed them all towards success. Two of his brothers went to med- medical school. So, like, very strict family, very strict man. His father was like a big gun nut, would always carry it around. So then Alfredo would carry a gun around, which sounds very alarming to me. On October 9th, 1959, Alfredo, at the time he was a medical intern, he visited uh, with fellow doctor Jesus Castillo Rangel. Um, He also happened to be Alfredo's boyfriend. And so he and Jesus end up getting into an argument about money. And so then Alfredo slit his throat with a scalpel. Because that's a normal reaction to a fight about finances. Yeah, totally casual. Then he takes the body into the bathroom where he dismembered it and cut him into tiny pieces until he put them into a small box, which he then buried in an empty lot. Oh, so many thoughts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was a, a lot very quickly, it sounds like. So this part, I'm not totally sure if it was just like a random friend or if it was his uncle, but someone was suspicious of Alfredo for whatever reason, and they were following him. And I guess he went back to the lot. And so they were like, what is he like? What did he bury? And they find the dismembered body, which I'm sure is like, fucking horrifying like oh what does he have cash stashed here drugs and you're like oh oh okay it's his dead boyfriend and many people think that this was not the first crime and it doesn't seem like it is i mean usually in a first crime people are flustered and don't know what to do like it's not like a skill that's what i was just gonna say that's so weird about it like if i i mean i don't could never see myself like someone's girl but like (laughs) I feel like if I did that, panic would ensue and I wouldn't skillfully be like doctor or not, like surgeon or not. Yeah. Yes. Let me slice them into small little pieces and put them in a box. Like, well, especially because this person was his partner. So it's like you're going, even if you were mad at someone, the fact that they're dead would be upsetting, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And so like the fact that you could just kind of compartmentalize and just check into like cleanup mode, like it just feels, especially the like little pieces and like dismembering a body, like I'm going to go ahead and guess that's not in a super easy thing. So, so like being able to do that right away, 
again, I get that he's, you know, a surgeon, but still, um, but so a lot of people, there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of rumors in Mexico that he, a lot of other similar crimes were connected to him, but they could only prove this one because they had the direct, you know, evidence. Yeah. And he received the death penalty while he was in prison. It's funny because I just like a couple weeks ago, I started this show. I've now finished it because quarantine, but, um, I just finished watching the show called prodigal son. Okay. I've seen advertisements for that. Okay. It's really fucking good. Okay. So it's like, um, Michael, Sheen? Yeah, I think that's his name. I don't know, but he's great. And he plays the dad in this show and he is called the surgeon and he's a famous serial killer who's killed like 30 people or something. And his son, Malcolm, used to work for the FBI, but you know, it's hard when your father is a serial killer. And so he helps the New York police department and he helps them with cases And um, he's kind of like a consultant, but basically he's a profiler. I love the aspect of like, why are they doing this? I love. So like profilers, I think are just like real magic, basically. And he's been, he like recently gets in touch with his dad again. And so he's been like visiting him and very much like Hannibal. Like he goes there and talks to him and he helps him get inside a killer's head and helps him solve cases. So it's very Silence of the Lambs vibes. And then it's just funny that like, I hear that fun fact. And then I look this up and like the, this, this murderer was like, he was called the surgeon and he, um, even when he was in prison, he offered medical services to the other inmates and even apparently performed some minor surgeries. I'm surprised they let him like, yeah, I guess you're like, he's in prison. You know, we obviously would know it's not like he has the tools to hide a body, but still it's a lot of trust. Yeah. Yeah. Operate on people. Yeah. And like on the show, he doesn't access like tools and stuff, but he will like consult with people. Like the hospitals can call him and stuff. So it's funny because they're both doing it. And um, a source told Reforma, a Mexican newspaper, he helped many people in jail and he became so good that with time he was even allowed to go out at night to see patients. Which they go out, like leave the. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Which you know this is an option. Yeah, it seems risky. The source this is this was such a random bit, but I was like, what the hell? The source also said that Alfredo kept his sense of style even while in prison. Well good. I was really <laughs> thinking about that. He wore he light- really needs to be representing, you know? Oh well, yeah. He wore light colored ensembles, suits, white shoes, dark shades because he was sensitive to light, and a golden Rolex president that he carried around everywhere. And then it said, no one dared to touch it, which I'm like, how often do people touch other people's watches? I'm just also so he was wearing this outfit in prison like they can just, I guess, sometimes you can swear what you (laughs) Yeah, I thought they like took that stuff away. Um, But apparently at one point he did finally lose it. It had been he was, I I guess, while in jail, he was hiding it in a sock. And then the sock got thrown away. Um, And so apparently Alfredo used to say, I went and came back from hell. And I ended up losing it in a sock. So very (laughs) upset about losing his watch. This one news, this one uh, website that I looked this up on is, it was, 
the tone was very like homophobic and just like they claim it was a crime of passion, but then he married a woman. So riddle me that. And it's like, all right, whatever. Um, But so apparently just before he went to jail, Alfredo married a woman named Dolores Montiel. Fortunately, she, unfortunately she died while he was in prison. Despite receiving the death penalty, Alfredo's sentence was commuted to 20 years. How convenient. He was released in 1980 or 81. Nobody was sure about that for some reason. (laughs) Uh, As a free man, he married a woman named Christina. And then just five years after he's released, she also died. Wow. Uh What a coincidence. So then he had children and grandchildren, and he named his first son after himself, oh, as, as men are wont to do. <laughs> um, and that son died from cancer in 2010. So his son, so this is Alfredo Jr.'s son, who also carried the family name, died in a car accident. So... No one said anything in my research about, like, a curse, but it definitely seems like there's, like... Something's going on there. It seems like there's, like, a blood toll for this family because everyone around him just keeps dying. Seems like the person he killed, the ex-boyfriend, first thing. Yeah, it (laughs) could be. I mean, as he should. He got fucking murdered. I mean, truly. Right. Over over a money issue. Um, after he was released from jail, he went right back to work as a doctor at the place he had been working before the murder. What? (laughs) A lot of these stories will end up being very frustrating because something, it's just like so funny because especially like a few episodes back around 420, we talked to Last Prisoner Project and Mm -hmm. like they're working to get out all the people who are in jail for these ridiculously long sentences for nonviolent drug charges and then it's like we'll cover cases about like a child rapist or like a serial killer and they just keep getting out of jail and keep getting out of jail and it's like why are you more worried about a stoner than a fucking pedophile serial killer like what (laughs) yeah it's ridiculous and also like he gets to so he just goes back to work they're like oh man we've really missed you it's so great to have you we know you murdered someone, you know, and then use your surgical skills to their body, but we really could use you in the OR. I mean, like, maybe what? in the 20 years he was in jail, all the people who knew about him somehow moved away. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess it wasn't an age of, you know, social media. So, you know. True. Yeah. You used to actually... Yeah, you used to actually be able to, like, disappear and start over. You can't really do that anymore. Yeah, but still, just so – and it goes back to what you're talking about, like, the last prisoner project. Like, people who come out of jail have sometimes have the hardest – not only sometimes, like, usually have the hardest time trying to get back into society and find a job, you know, and just kind of, like, prove themselves. And here's a murderer being like, yeah, I start as a surgeon. yeah. Yeah, the only credit I will give him is that his patients were mostly senior citizens and apparently he didn't charge them. At most, he would suggest a symbolic contribution. My guess, and this is completely mine, I would just guess that maybe he was trying to maybe make up for what happened with Jesus. Like maybe he felt like he owed society a debt, which I mean, if that's what you're going to do, like, hey, if you are at least... Look, at least if you are going to get out because the system doesn't make sense, like, please do something good. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, it's the least you could do. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. So when nothing much was said when the book came out, but when the movie Silence of the Lambs came out in 1991, Alfredo's family, because they knew that he inspired it, they would make fun of him by calling him Hannibal or Dr. Lecter. (laughs) I'm sure he loved that. Well, his friend of a friend of Alfredo said he thought it was funny that they called him that. Funny. Funny. So he was still working by kind of the end of his life. And that he gave this interview and he said, I don't remember how many years I've been a doctor. Now I take care of the elderly like me. I think I got out of prison in 1981, but honestly, I don't remember. At first, it was difficult. But with time, things improved. However, some days depression comes back. I paid what I had to pay. Now I'm just waiting for the divine punishment. Okay. And then his last known recorded interview was in 2008. And he is quoted as saying, um, when people tried to ask him about Jesus, he was quoted as saying, I don't want to relive my dark past. I don't want to wake up my ghosts. It's very hard. The past is heavy. And the truth is that this angst I have is unbearable, which like part of me is like, I'm glad that you understand the severity of what you did. And I'm, I'm glad that you're trying to make amends, but also like, I don't feel guilty that you feel guilty because you killed someone. Not only, yeah, not only, and it wasn't like, just a random person you killed. I mean, not to say that it matters more what you are but like you killed a doctor he just wanted to help people yeah and also it's just sure you don't want to like relive your dark past fine but also i'm sure the family also didn't want their son brother cousin whatever murdered so and now they can't relive anything yeah so he died the following year in 2009 um it was weirdly like all different ages were reported, but based on math of when his birthday was, he was 78 when he died. And some sources say it was from prostate cancer, but whatever it was, he was a free man when he died. Hmm. Do we know how, I guess it doesn't really matter, but I'm curious to know how old he was when he murdered. The, the oh yeah. Let's see. I have also, did anyone, I wonder if anyone ever asked him in these interviews, like if he killed anyone else. He, I don't think he ever would speak about, like, again, it was hard to find a ton of information. Like, I have, like, a bunch of articles I use, but it was still hard. A lot, of it, most of the articles covering it just kind of around the whole, the story of Thomas Harris meeting him. But they, I know they weren't able to connect him to anything else. Like, it, it seems like it was one of those things. It seems like it was kind of like Bundy, where, like, people are like, yeah, he's confirmed 33, but, like, there's this girl who died in this way when he was living, you know, there's like a few people where it's like, this seems like this was his fledgling kills, but there's no way to prove it. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I feel like your first time you just don't cover up a body. Like I feel like it can't be. I mean, through all of the cases I've ever read about, like nine times out of 10, there's an escalation. It's like you might like hurt bugs or animals or something. And then you, it escalates. It's not just like I get mad one day and I snap. Yeah. And especially over an argument that's so stupid, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like a normal, I mean, actually not even normal because this isn't normal, but a normal husband would have the argument and you scream and you yell and yeah, one of you like leaves the house or something, you know? 
And like, I even feel like there's the middle step where it's just like, and again, I'm not condoning this or think this is okay or normal in any sense of the word. But, you know, even before you would murder someone, you think you would like, especially two males, like if they're going to get into an altercation, they'd be physical. Like, yeah. They're a yeah. punch, tussle, like, no, straight to slitting their throat. It does seem very, yeah. yeah, it seems very, like, very, very zero to 60. Yeah. Like, where there's no escalation, it just is, like, a meat, like, you went from a doctor to a killer, like, that quickly. Um, but it, he was 28 when he committed the murder. Yeah, so he's my age. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, God. You know what else is crazy? I turned 30 next month. I know. Oh my God. I'm going to turn 30 during quarantine. And I feel like this is going to spread for so long. Like everyone's going to have a birthday in quarantine. I know. I know. (laughs) And that's the thing. It's like, I get that having a birthday in quarantine sucks. And everyone's like, yeah, like my birthday too. I'm like, but it's my 30th. (laughs) That's like a big one. Ugh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I just thought that was really cool because I love that movie and I did not – again, I knew about Buffalo Bill. Um, I actually, for those who don't know, I have a death moth tattoo on my right arm, like near my elbow, um, in part because I love Silence of the Lambs. But that was actually just like a fun little creepy guy I got tattooed while I was in uh, San Francisco for the first time to see – the Harry Potter play. <laughs> it's just really good, by the way. I've heard that. Oh, my God. It was so good. They did stuff that I'm like, I genuinely don't know how they did that. And obviously, like, it's a play. So it's not like, like, obviously, there's, you can do almost anything special effects wise in the yeah. movies. But like, seeing that shit right in front of your face, it's like, it truly was magical. I also hear yeah. Sam is great. I'd have to go there as well. Yeah, it was a really quick trip because it was the focus was seeing the show. And then we just kind of like did some sightseeing when we had time before it. But um, yeah, I mean, hate did Ashbury. I, I did. Good. We went to the Full House house, the house from Mrs. Doubtfire. Aww. And, and the Painted Ladies because the Full House house isn't actually in that row. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's owned by the guy who like is the showrunner. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it like went on sale well, again. Like, yeah, I think built around this house, so I shall own this house. Yeah, like I think uh I think it was maybe before they I think it was maybe when they were like starting Fuller House and they did like promotional shoots there or something. I don't know, but it's funny because there's like signs all over about like trespassing. whatever i'm like in my opinion like don't buy a famous pop culture house if you don't want anyone to look at it like there was yeah there was this woman who was so salty in fuck i forget what i forget where goonies takes place but the goon you can see mikey's house like from the goonies and there used to be whoever used to live there. You could, they, they did tours. So you could like tour the house and see stuff from the movie. But then the next buyer, they literally tarped the whole house because they were sick of people taking pictures. I'm like, okay, but now your house is a tarpy mess. Like, yeah. 
Like also, you're literally by the house. Like I'm sure when you were right? looking at the house, they said this is the Goonie house. Like, and sure there are, you know, especially now with all the content that's out there, there's a bunch of houses and stuff that are used, you know, in filming, you know, but obviously some of it's more famous than others. So if you know that you're moving in, I'm sure the owner said like, Oh, absolutely. There is absolutely no way they bought it without knowing. You know, it's like I was saying, like the Amityville house, like, yeah. Like, if you know, you're buying these houses. Like, I think it's one thing if it's like three in the morning and people are trying to like come do a ghost tour or something, (laughs) which, which they, the family, not now, but like one of the families that lived there in like the seventies said that. But if, if it's literally just people coming and taking pictures near it, like there's the house in Salem, that's the house from Hocus Pocus. And like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like you can't buy an iconic house like that and be mad if people take pictures of it. Like, just buy literally any other house. <laughs> yeah, they could have bought any other house in that, especially, yeah. Well, I guess the full house guy knows, you know, but it's like, well, yeah. Like any other house in that row. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I also wonder if that was just his house and they used it as the house because it was his house. I know he, like, re- I know he bought it like after. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's funny because it's like when you do look into like I don't really look into realty, but sometimes that would come up in like work articles and stuff and it da- more so at Daily Mail. But it is funny how many companies own houses like there are so many famous houses that are actually owned by like, you know, the showrunner for Full House or like stuff like that. Like I remember Lance Bass was trying to buy the house from the Brady Bunch and he like through kind of a fit because he was like so he so wanted the house so badly but then some production company that had like you know never ending amount of money ended up buying it so they can do some kind of you know reality show or something poor Lance I know (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah that was pretty much it basically I just wanted an excuse to talk more about Silence of the Lambs (laughs) <laughs> well it works out well <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you so much for joining me I hope it was like a nice little I don't know I feel like any kind of human contact during quarantine is like it's just like nice to talk to someone other than yourself <laughs> yeah instead of talking to like my lamp <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love no but I'm excited I feel honored you know I listened to your podcast I know. I'm very excited to yay Awesome. I don't know how I'll feel about hearing my own voice, but (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so funny because I've always hated my own voice. And like when I'm, you know, if I do an interview, when I'm doing the like transcribing for the article, I'm always like, oh, I sound so dumb. And then it's like, naturally, I started a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Millennials make no sense. (laughs) We're all just trying. We're all just trying to hang in there. Yeah. I mean, it's, hey, it's something you can carry on in a quarantine, so yes, on your part. Yes, very true. We were, <laughs> we were a long distance to begin with, so. <laughs> oh, I guess I should take a minute to be like, hey, follow us on social media. We made it very easy for you. Everything is high crime pod. And five-star reviews on Apple are very helpful. Um, I remember hearing on last podcast on the left, of course, this is different because Ben Kissel is like, six seven or something so he's more intimidating but he said he'll just grab his friend's phones and just like five star review the podcast (laughs) 
<laughs> so if you are bold and you are living with anyone right now, just just say like, oh, hey, can I see your phone? And just, just five-star review us. I mean, just Perfect. whatever. What the fuck? It helps Everyone's us out. Everyone's at home. Now you got all the phones. Yeah, it's like 30 seconds of your day. Later, Later buds. <laughs>